0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and a lifelong Missouri Tiger football and basketball fan. And today, well I gotta be honest, I have an apology for you. I teased something that I did not pay off yesterday and dang it, I hate it when I do that. And you probably aren't a big fan of it as a listener either. And that is my discussion of what happened with our season tickets this year. And I thought, well that might be a little... Interesting window into that process and what's happening currently as far as divvying up these football tickets for this very odd 2020 season. So I promise, I absolutely promise I'm going to pay that off in today's show. And also, we've got some more bites from good old coach Eli Drinkwitz. He actually met with the media, much to my absolute relief, because by golly, I need that sweet, sweet content straight from the Eli's mouth. But of course, you know what's happening today. Kyron Montgomery has committed to the University of Missouri, and certainly any time you get a four-star defensive end to commit to the Tigers, well, that is a reason to celebrate. And by the way, before I break down Kyron, I do want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off. Your next order. But you know what? I, as I often do, I took some time to view Kyron Montgomery's huddle highlights. Yes, that's H U D L huddle for the uninitiated. And in fact, there's a lot of basketball players have migrated over there as well to post their highlights. So it's not just football these days over at huddle. But anyway, I digress. So Montgomery listed at six foot four. 240 pounds from Pike High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, part of the 2021 class. He chose Missouri over Minnesota and Florida State. And really, you know, at this point, I think Minnesota actually might be a slightly better program than Florida State. I like their coach a lot. And, well, let's be honest, Florida State will get it back if they just hire the right coach again someday. But right now, the Gophers on the way up. So, frankly beating out the Gophers and P.J. Fleck, their rising coach and, well, the blue, borderline blue blood Florida State Seminoles, right? Great day for the Tigers. And, well, just looking at the young man's highlights, I have a few thoughts to share. And i tell you, the first thing that really stood out to me watching his film is you better not use him as the unblocked defender, right, on those option plays, whether it's a Read option, a speed option, any kind of option you can possibly think of, even the wishbone, that type of deal, right? Remember Alabama in seventy five we just covered yesterday. But man, this kid has a really good motor. In other words, he plays really, really hard and does not stop. At least that's what we could see on his highlights, right? Because that's that's the nature of this whole thing. We don't get to see nobody posts their bad highlights. They don't post the low lights. only the good stuff. But as you can see, it's not as though on all these plays, the play's just coming right to him. He pursues the football. And for the most part, he is in the three-point stance on the weak side of the defense. You know, we'll see if that ends up happening in Ryan Walter's defense or not, if he ends up being on the weak side, or maybe it's sort of a field and boundary thing. Did you listen to my gridiron glossary segment from a couple weeks back? But more than likely... The defensive ends probably will be sort of a weak side, strong side thing. But regardless, let's not get too deep into the X's and O's of this. The point is, I think Kyron Montgomery, at least on his film, stood out much, much, much more as a run defender than he did as a pass rusher. So initially, that might seem really disappointing because obviously over the last few years, we've been waiting for the next Charles Harris. The next Alden Smith, the next Coney Ely, the next Marcus Golden, the next Shane Ray, the next. You, you get my point. It goes on and on and on. Michael Sam. The next Michael Sam would be fantastic at this point. But again, after my just quick 10 minute viewing of Kyron Montgomery's highlights, it doesn't appear to me that he's that type of player. But again, that might not be a bad thing because. I, again, I love his motor. I love that he's really he seems to be really quick side to side because, again, you don't want to use him as that unblocked defender. He'll make you pay for that. He makes some great reads on that. He seems to have great instincts. So I like that part about him. But again, as a pass rusher, I just didn't see that much from him. Maybe it's just a matter of needing to refine his technique, his movements, his hand movements, that type of deal. But... Frankly, I just didn't see the most explosive first step in the world, so I'm not totally sure what type of true pass rushing upside there really is in this Kyron Montgomery kid. But on the bright side, often last year, one of Ryan Walter's favorite defensive formations was really kind of a de facto five-man line, or even a six-man line at times, where the defensive ends really weren't the end of the formation. You would have a linebacker to one side of the defensive end, and then on the other side, on the outside part of, that, of the outside shoulder of the defensive end, and then the other side of the field, the same deal. So if you think about it like that, if your defensive ends aren't truly going to always be pass rushers, if they're not going to be the outside guys, well, maybe they do need to be run defenders a little bit more. So my point is, if you've been pining for a return to the Dave Kuligowski style of defense, that defensive end play, well, I don't think you're going to see it from this kid and maybe not from some of the other defensive ends that I've seen, the Drinkwitz crew and Ryan Walter's crew, quite honestly, and maybe more accurately, start to bring in. Maybe they just have a different style of player and a different style of defense. Certainly they have a different style of defense that he wants to play and different techniques, that they want to employ, but maybe we should stop overanalyzing the pass rush numbers because Kyron Montgomery only had one sack last season. Again, if that's something that's going to worry you, well, again, I would back up a little bit because there's got to be something this kid's doing, right? If rivals, if 24-7, whoever it is, is somebody out there has ranked him as four stars. So he's got to have something, and to me, just the hard work, the really good run defense... Maybe he fits nicely in Ryan Walter's defense in a way that maybe he wouldn't have in Craig Kuligowski's. And all that means is we as Mizzou fans just maybe need to change our expectations for what we expect out of defensive ends a little bit. But the good news is you never have to lower your expectations for Built Bar. Yes, that's right. My favorite darn near candy bar on the internet is back And it's better than ever. They've refreshed their line with six new delicious flavors. The caramel brownie, the cookies and cream. Come on, this stuff is too good to be true, right? Well, no, it's not because these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for that keto diet. Yes, it's a bit of a treat. It's definitely a bit of a cheating treat. I'll be honest with you, but I tell you, you could do a lot worse than Built Bar, and again, with with the with the, for example the peanut butter brownie 19 grams of protein come on it's not all just junk in there you're doing pretty well over there at built bar so go to builtbar.com right now use that promo code locked on for $10 off your next order again that's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com and coming up i've got my ticket reveal but first some sound bites Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Well, speaking of the pass rush, we were just talking about Kyron Montgomery, obviously, and that led to a whole thing about what we should expect from the Missouri defensive ends going forward. And obviously, that's been a huge topic of conversation among Tiger fans. And well, he was, Eli Drinkwitz was asked about the defensive end play so far in camp. During his latest Zoom call with the press, and here's what he had to say:
1: Well, they're getting after us pretty good, um, and they're doing a nice job. I think Coach Walters and Coach Haley have a nice uh, scheme package where they're able to create one-on-one matchups uh, in the pass rush. Obviously, they have pressure, and then they do a nice job with simulated rushes. Um, so they've done a nice job. Um, we got to continue to work to get better every day, and and uh, but but
0: they're doing a nice job
1: against us and. Right now, that's the basis
0: for comparison. Well, that's always the tricky part about analyzing stuff that comes out of camp because, well, does this just mean that the defense is really good, or does that mean that the offense is really bad and has a long way to go with this new scheme? Frankly, I'd imagine it's a little bit of both. I I expect our defense to be good this year, but I also expect some growing pains on offense. I think you'd have to at this point, but... Well, the good news is we're certainly going to have the element of surprise with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Not only do we not know who the quarterback is, we're not getting a depth chart. And you know what? I had to chuckle yesterday as I was driving by the practice fields on Stadium Boulevard. I couldn't help but notice a cameraman high in the sky on some sort of lift. That's not unusual. I tend to like to get that perspective to film Not only games, but practices as well. But something that was new, normally you're able to gander south from Stadium Boulevard and at least get a glimpse of the guys hitting each other in pads. But no, along that fence, there's now a black blinds, for for lack of a better term. No, I don't mean blinds like on your windows in your house, but just actual, a black blinds Sort of structure again, blinds on the fence for lack of a better term to obviously disable your seeing the practice. Pretty incredible. we are we are all in on the state secrets in the drink wits era. frankly, i <laughs> it's one of those things I guess I can't complain if it works and I can't complain if we win, but I don't know, just little things like a little bit more media access, way more. Of Dave Matters notebooks back in the day. Remember the 07, 08 eras, how much media access we had in the Pinkle era? We got so much detail from practice. Now we don't get hardly any of that. Now I guess we're worried about people on Stadium Boulevard, what, getting a glimpse of a formation as they're going 50 miles an hour down said boulevard? I don't know, maybe we've taken it too far, but just something I thought was a little amusing. But you know what? Let's get back to that soundbite roster. And we finally got a little bit of color on the scrimmage that happened last Sunday. Eli didn't go into a lot of detail on the offense. Overall, he didn't seem too terribly impressed by anything that happened other than a couple decent plays made in the red zone. But he did have some nice things to say about the defense, in particular, a couple younger Missouri players. Well, let's hear what he had to say about the defense.
1: Defense played pretty good, consistently pretty good. Devin Nicholson's playing really good at the Mike linebacker position. He made quite a few plays. I thought Markel Lutze was very disruptive in the D line. Um, You know, our corners play tight coverage and did did a very nice job. Um, You know, I couldn't even beg a pass interference call, and we pay the officials. Scrimmages, so they must be doing it right. Um so yeah, defense played pretty good. They stood
0: out, but those are the guys, Markel Etsy and Devin Nicholson, I thought both played pretty well. So obviously both of those notes are good to hear. Clearly, we know what we're getting out of Nick Bolton, and that's gonna be some all-American caliber play, we certainly expect. But who's gonna take Cale Garrett's spot for all intents and purposes? Now, maybe maybe Nick Bolton is the one who took Cale Garrett's spot, but you know what I mean. Who's the guy who's going to play next to him in this 4-2-5, linebacker defense? Well, if it's Devin Nicholson, if he's starting to show out, that'd be good to hear. And also, speaking of guys we need to show up, well, there's been a lot of concern on the Mizzou beat that perhaps Kobe Whiteside will not be as productive this year without Jordan Elliott. So, in other words, if Kobe Whiteside, if he's no longer next to Jordan Elliott who was drafted into the NFL, well, people are worried that his production might suffer. So obviously, if, if Marcel Utzi, Markel Utzi, I'm not totally sure. I always thought it was Marcel, but Eli said Markel there. Who knows? Maybe he's still learning pronunciations of names, too. But regardless, Mr. Utzi, if he's starting to show out in practice, well, obviously a good thing for the whole defense. But maybe in particular, Kobe Whiteside, something to keep an eye on. And as he does sometimes, especially when asked about matters in the league office during this COVID-19 pandemic period, Eli Drinkwitz had to bite his tongue a little bit on this next sound bite because, well, it was referenced that the Big 12 is going to require 53 men on a team to be able to proceed with a football game. That'll be the absolute minimum of healthy bodies you need to actually have. A game, and well, a reporter asked Eli if there's been any discussions in the SEC about a similar regulation.
1: I, I, there is discussions on on what thresholds might be in order to uh, consider a no contest. Um, but uh, see, I've got a really smart aleck answer, but I'm not going there. And so I, there's discussions, and no final final calls on that. And I'll
0: just I'll I'll anxiously await the SEC home office telling us what it is. Anxiously awaiting, yes. This isn't the first time that Eli's thrown a bit of a a jab at the home office just by the lack of communication, not even so much complaining about any rulings, but just, okay, we're three weeks away from actually playing and we still have no idea how we may or may not have to manage our rosters. I think that's a legitimate complaint from Eli there, quite frankly. And you know what? We got one more Eli Drinkwitz bite coming up about which true freshmen are standing out in camp so far. And also, yes, finally, I will reveal my tickets and that situation for 2020 right after this.
1: The NCAA tournament is almost here. Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, so Coach Drink was asked about his true freshmen, specifically which ones are standing out in general, and also generally what this season going to look like the unique challenges the unique circumstances basically well here's what Eli had to say on those two topics yeah I mean
1: honestly I think with the opt-out scenario I don't think there's going to be everybody's going to be able to play and be available and there's no there's no red shirt I mean they're going to be back at year zero the way I understand the rule next year so um, you know, I think everybody's got to be ready to play. I'll, I'll say Ennis Rakestraw and JC Carlisle have both been, um, exactly what we were hoping and, and have, have really competed well. I mean, Ennis had a really nice interception in the red area today. Um, you know, uh, Chance Looper and JJ Hester have both had moments where they've looked, you know, like, like they can play at this level and we're excited about that. Dylan Spencer's kind of been thrown in the fire. Uh, from an O-line position just because of all the different things that have had to go on uh, with offensive line lineups and COVID and injuries and, and so on and so forth. And he's he's coming along. I don't know that that, that he's ready just yet, but he might have to be. Um, um, you know, Elijah uh, Young uh, ha- has been explosive at times and uh, got a little nicked up a couple, about uh, nine, ten days ago. But uh Hopefully we'll get him back ready to roll tomorrow and, and uh, continue to see his progress.
0: Well, I thought it was really interesting to hear him praise J.J. Hester and Chance Looper, son of Curtis Looper, who's on the, on the staff as an assistant coach. But both guys at the receiver position and obviously a spot where Missouri needs new bodies. They went out and got two transfers in Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazelton. So we know what happened last year we need we know missouri needs some help there but frankly jj hester may have been the most sought after highly ranked guy of the 2020 class so if he can see the field immediately and at least provide some good backup reps well that's it that's a huge boon for the tigers i also thought it was revealing he talked about a freshman offensive lineman there um, i apologize His, Name is already escaping me, even though I heard it less than 45 seconds ago. But the key thing that I wrapped my brain around was that Eli said about this young man, I'm not sure he's ready, but, quote, he might have to be. That may tell you where the offensive line is, or where at least he thinks the offensive line is at this very moment in camp. That's for sure. And finally, on Eli Young, the running back from Knoxville, Tennessee, You know, I've heard a lot of people talk up Eli Young to the point where they expect he might even be the third running back behind Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty. And again, with no freshman red shirts to worry about burning or not burning, et cetera, I'd say the odds of that, him actually getting significant time as a third running back and frankly any of these freshmen, the odds of all of them getting some, at least a shot, and some of these games has gone way, way up compared to your normal seasons. And I am, once again, happy to report that I will be attending all five Missouri home games this year. Frankly, I'm a little bit shocked. I thought, there's no way we're getting all five, right? So, again, we weren't we're maybe in the sixth or seventh tier <laughs> in terms of the packing order on TSF. And by we, I mean my family, my mom and dad and my wife. We All four of us have been going to these games together, well, for the last few years, and well, my mom and dad, just them, they've had tickets for almost 50 years at this point. How about that? And I've probably been going with them for 30. But anyway, these same we're not going to be in our same seats that we have been forever. Originally, we were going to be eight rows behind where we usually are in a pretty similar spot, though, but you know what? We called back the ticket office, decided we wanted to, well, for our own personal reasons, to be in the southwest corner this year. So it's going to be a little bit different. I guess that's about where the road team, their fans used to sit, the band and everything. But we'll be over by the touchdown club and all that stuff. So it's going to be an unusual season and unusual seating for the Miller family. But you know what? What the heck? It's going to be different. I'm looking forward to it. Be a little bit easier for the old man to get up and down the stairs. And frankly, that's all that really matters. Now, I do have one friend who's in my fantasy football league. He sits about one section below me most seasons, and he's had his tickets for 30-some-odd years. And, well, he wasn't very pleased to report that he was moved all the way to the other side of the stadium. And, yeah, again, just wasn't thrilled. But, you know what, quite honestly, again, I was just surprised to even get all five games. And if you guys have been listening to this about a month ago, I was feeling really pessimistic about the idea that any fans would be in there. So, frankly, I'll take what I can get, and I have a tough time criticizing anybody at the ticket office or at the university right now for how they doled out any of these tickets because they had an unenviable task of trying to figure all this out. Obviously, there weren't enough seats just based on the own regulations that they Sent down that the presidents of the university, that type of deal, the board of curators, whatever it is. Obviously, there were some rulings that came down from on high that the ticket office, well, they have nothing to do with. So I, I, I empathize with those people, and I think they did about as good of a the, of the job as they possibly could. And again, this isn't this is coming from a longtime season ticket holder, but not somebody who's like a high roller by any stretch of the imagination. So, with all that said, I feel like. The ticket office deserves a bit of a thumbs up, at least from this Tiger fan. So with all that said, I'm going to get out of here and enjoy my weekend, and I hope you enjoy your Labor Day weekend as well. And with that in mind, I think I'm going to take Monday off. I think we'll do another Saturday show next week. Let's do Tuesday through Saturday next week. So until next time, I'll see you guys Tuesday right here on Locked on Mizzou.